Welcome to the North Main Podcast, a production of North Main Street Church of God in Butler, Pennsylvania. This podcast brings you North Main's messages every week. We strive to know God intimately, grow in Christ continually, and go for Him daily. I invite you to listen in today as we explore the Bible and learn about its unchanging truths for living life God's way. Let's listen in to this week's message. So last week, we started a series entitled... The practice of patience. How many of you guys have been practicing patience this year? How many of you practice patience with your family, your extended family, uh, your co-workers? Not so much, right? There's some people that test your patience, am I correct? And you test other people's patience, am I correct? Okay, good. I'm just making sure everybody's in the same boat here. Last week we talked about the practice of patience being the practice of waiting, and we looked at Psalm, or not Psalm, we looked at Isaiah chapter 40 and also the book of Romans. Today we're going to be talking about everybody's favorite, the practice of listening. How many of you guys listen well? How many, right, exactly, yeah, it says, oh, anyway, how many of you, how many of you listen to your parents? When you were a kid, how many of you listened to your parents? Uh, Some of you. You goody two-shoes. Anyway, uh, no, I was a goody two-shoe too. I was always afraid of getting in trouble, and my mom's probably going to be watching this. And uh, she would say I was a rapscallion. Actually, she, she would say I was a really good kid. No, nobody knows that. Nobody believes that. All right, anywho, we're going to talk about the practice of listening as being a part of the practice of patience. If you don't learn to listen, you cannot become patient. If you don't learn to wait or to trust upon the Lord, you cannot become patient. And so today we're talking about listening. I've said this illustration I'm going to give you before. It's been a while, but some of you may remember it. I don't even know if it's true. I've just read it in different articles and things, and it's probably somewhat of a myth by this point, but there was a story told of how Franklin Franklin Roosevelt, who often endured long receiving lines at the White House, complained that no one really paid attention to what he said when they came through the line and shook his hand. One day, said during a reception, he decided to try an experiment. This is fun. I might try this sometimes. Um, To each person who passed down the line and shook his hand, he murmured, I murdered my grandmother this morning. Well, the guest responded with phrases like, marvelous, keep up the good work. We are so proud of you. God bless you, sir. It wasn't until the end of the line while greeting the ambassador from Bolivia that his words were actually heard. Puzzled, the ambassador leaned over and whispered, well, I'm sure she had it coming. Listening is not an easy task. It requires hearing and understanding what another person is actually saying. Listening is the means by which a person carries on meaningful relationships. And it's the foundation of all open and honest communication. Wars have been started by people not listening to what's really being said or only hearing what they think is being said. So we come to this passage in Matthew today, one of the, the passages I think you probably know, even if you weren't familiar with the Bible that much, and it's called the parable of the soils. And in this parable, Jesus uses this word hear and listen 
over and over and over again. So if you'll read along with me, I'm reading from the New Living Translation this morning, Matthew 13. We're starting with verse 3. He says, listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. He scattered them across his field. Some seeds fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plants soon wilted under the hot sun, and since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seed fell on thorns and that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, even 100 times as much as had been planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. His disciples came and asked him, Why do you use parables when you talk to people? And he replied, You're permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but others are not. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given, and they will have an abundance of knowledge. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. That's why I use parables. Now, keep in mind, this is the first parable that we have of Jesus. This is when he begins his parable teachings, Matthew 13. This is why I use these parables. For they look, but they don't really see. They hear, but they don't really listen or understand. This fulfills the prophecy of Isaiah that says, when you hear what I say, you will not understand. When you see what I do, you will not comprehend. For the hearts of these people are hardened and their ears cannot hear. They have closed their eyes so that their eyes cannot see and their ears cannot hear and their hearts cannot understand and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but they didn't see it. And they long to hear what you hear, but they didn't hear it. Do you see what Jesus is saying? There were people centuries before that were looking forward to the coming of the Messiah. Centuries upon centuries upon centuries of the Jewish people, the Hebrew people, had heard from their prophets. There's a coming a day when the Messiah will come to set the captives free. And so now that day has come and Jesus' disciples gathered around him are listening and he's reminding them, you realize what a humble position you're in but also a privileged position you're in. You were experiencing what only those that came ahead of you could ever dream of. And he's saying, because you've listened to me, because you have eyes and ears, you're understanding did they have complete knowledge and understanding? No. But they had faith where there wasn't complete knowledge and understanding. And so Jesus, when he called his 12 to come follow him, he picked them on his journeys as he went. Fishermen, tax collectors, zealots. He would say, come follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. Come and see. Come with me. Jesus chose them just as much as he chooses us today. But not everyone's willing to be chosen. There are those that will turn a blind eye and a deaf ear to the gospel of Jesus Christ. They may hear the truth, 
that could set them free but reject it. The world around us rages with people like this. And those are the people Jesus came to seek and save because they were lost. His church, the body of Christ, should be the hands and the feet of Christ, the mouthpiece of Christ, going with the gospel of Christ into all the world. Verse 18, now listen to the explanation of the parable. Jesus never really explained his parables, but this one he did because he wanted them without any question to understand what he was saying. Listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom but don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that's planted in their hearts. Now what you understand here, what I want you to understand here, is they hear it but don't understand it. It's because they're not willing to understand it. Jesus wants all people to understand. So it's not like they hear it and they're like, I don't get it. It's like they hear it, they don't get it, and they walk away. Have you ever seen people like this? They, you know, you're, you're talking to them, you're telling them about something, they're like, eh, all right, whatever, and they walk away. Because they really don't get it, they don't understand it, and they have no desire to understand it. This is the seed that falls on the footpath. The same God, you hear me quote this passage all the time, Jeremiah 29, 13, you will seek me and find me when you what? Seek me with all of your heart. The people that don't have understanding are not willing to seek with all their heart. They hear it, they don't understand it, and they're like, eh, oh well. Kids do this today in schools, right? You cram for a test, you don't really understand it, but you got the answers, and then you walk away. How many of you remember your biology, uh, ATP and all of that stuff that you learned in biology when you were in high school? Some of you probably do. How many of you remember, uh, you know, uh, what is the speed of sound or the speed of light? Do you remember those, learning those? Some of this knowledge, you're like, oh, yeah, I heard it, and I had to put it down on a test, and, uh, uh, but I don't remember it. I, don't, I didn't really understand it. I still don't understand it, and I don't desire to really understand it, quite honestly, because that's not my expertise, right? But here, the Word of God. We have, no, we have no option but to not understand if we are to receive salvation and to inherit the kingdom of God. Do you, do you understand the difference here? I may not be able to articulate what the speed of light or the speed of sound is. My salvation for eternity doesn't hinge on those issues. But your salvation for eternity does hinge on the issues of Scripture. And it's so vitally important that you understand that the words Jesus spoke and the words we have through the written word and the living word, who is Christ, are the means to salvation. So it is vitally important to understand them, to seek them out. When you're confused, you don't just give up and walk away. I hear this from people all the time. I read the Bible and I've tried, but it's so confusing, so I just gave up. Man, what if we all lived life like that? What if we all just gave up when the going got tough? I mean, you're seeing kind of evidence of it in society today, right? Give up when the going gets tough. That's my motto. Jesus was trying to help his disciples understand the way to grow is by pressing in and pushing through. Jesus didn't come 
to just offer us freedom. He came to offer us growth. Jesus teaches in parables. Why? Not to confuse people, but so that people who really want to know him will press in. Do you catch this? He's not trying to make hurdles and to make it difficult for people to understand. He's like, do you really want to know? How many of you who have kids or were a kid once, did your parents always give you the answers and always do everything for you? Right? This is the demise of our generations today. And I don't want to get too political here, but when everybody gets a trophy and when nobody has to have the hard nose given to them, you don't know how to press through or push on. When you are handed everything, you don't grow. You stagnate. And when you stagnate, you become putrid and smelly. God, through Christ Jesus, was the answer But the answer requires pushing in and growing. You hear me quote this often too from John chapter 16. In this world you will have troubles of many kind, but take heart, I have overcome the world. We've given this false sense of security to people through my generation and even earlier that if you just come to Jesus, it's all going to be perfect. Your life may not be perfect. You may still get cancer and die of a terminal disease. You may still have a loved one die in a tragic car accident. God never promised us, Jesus never promised us that it was going to be easy. But he said, with him and through him, all things are possible. Therein lies our hope. So he's teaching in parables, not to make it complicated, but so that those who really want to know can grow in their understanding by pressing in and learning more. If Jesus' parables do not pique your interest, then Jesus probably doesn't pique your interest either. But just tell me so we'll know. Tell me what I need to know so I can know it. Why don't I lead you through the process of knowing so that you can truly own it. I tell this to my kids. Sarah Lee's told this to our kids. You cannot get into heaven because of your mom or dad. You will not enter the kingdom of heaven through salvation because of your parents' salvation or because your dad was a pastor or your mom was the worship pastor. That's not how this works. You get in by your own merits, by your own beliefs, And so you have to own this. Well, Dad, what should I believe? I think you should believe the Word of God. I think you should believe the living Word, who is Christ, and the words that He spoke. I think you should chew on that, meditate on that, involve yourself with the body of Christ as iron sharpens iron so that you can challenge one another to good works. But if you think that's too hard then the chances are you're going to be like the shallow soil. Or you're going to be like the the seed falling on hard path. Or like the seed that fell among the thorns and the briars. 
Listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting the seeds. The seed fell on the footpath, represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes, snatches away the seed that's planted in their hearts. The, seedy, uh, the seed on the rocky soil represents those, hear this, represents those that hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. What does that mean? They're like, yes, that's it. I get it, and I'm going to receive it with joy. But, verse 21, since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. You know one of the things I see often is people getting connected, starting to learn, they're growing in faith, they believe in God through Jesus Christ, and this often happens uh, in the addiction realm as they fall off the wagon. They relapse. Seen this often here in uh, Western PA, in Butler specifically, as we worked with, you know, the the opioid crisis and and addiction. You get people, they're they're coming, they're sensing a renewed sense of sobriety and, and they're claiming victory through Christ and they're on the right path and they have a moment of weakness and they relapse. Guess Guess where the first place is they don't go? Right. They, they are shamed, and so they won't go back to the body of Christ, the fellowship of the faith, because they're worried of being rejected or shamed. And, and this is where the enemy plays these mind games with you. When you mess up, when you do something you shouldn't do, they're going to judge me. Well, if you're truly a part of a body of Christ that is focused on the right things, they're going to mourn with you, they're going to weep with you, but they're also going to come alongside you and say, let's get back to where you need to be. That is the body of Christ. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. You know people like that? Oh, I... I got too much, too much going on, Brandon. I got things happening. I, and it's not, please understand me when I say this. It's not about going to church. It's about being a part of the church. The church is not a building, an edifice, a time, or a place. The building is the people of God. And if you allow the rest of the cares of this life, the worries of this world, or the, you know, um, the desires of success, to crowd out your being a part of the body of Christ, guess what happens? You're like the seed that fell among the thorns. Where's your source of growth? Where's your source of nurture, cultivation? Well, I can be a Christian and not go to church. Yeah, you can. But you cannot be a Christian, a believer in Christ, and not be a part of the body of Christ. That is a very strong statement, but I stand by it. Even the writer of Hebrews says, You shouldn't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as some have begun to do. That was happening in the early church. And they didn't have buildings like this. And eventually the temple would even be destroyed by the Romans in 70 AD. Where did they gather together? Where were they the church? Well, they had church wherever they went. But when they gathered together, it says they gathered together daily in homes. Acts chapter 2. 
to break bread together, to serve the Lord's Supper in that context, to study the apostles' teaching. They prayed and they worshiped and fellowshiped together. I just can't add another thing to my schedule, Brandon. I, I work on Sundays, but I really can't give another night of the week. Okay, okay. And that's it's completely on you. But the reality is we are called to be a part of a fellowship and not just the name over the door. The seed fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as had been planted. Here's the key point. The practice of patience requires active listening in order to discern the truth. You cannot discern the truth of God or God's word or the living word of God who is Christ without actively listening. Listening requires silence. That's the first point. How many of you have practiced the discipline of silence? How many of you have to have some kind of noise going on in the background? I grew up in a home where my dad had to have the, the, the TV was never off. And I mean that sincerely. It was on 24 hours a day. 24, even when he worked, he just left it on. He'd go out and work and come back. It was on all night long. Why? There had to be noise in the background. Yes, he loved to watch TV. He loved to crash on the couch and veg out after work. But there was noise. We have a fan that sits in our hallway, a box fan. Why? We need some white noise at night while we sleep. And that's not wrong. That's not bad. But when is the last time you truly set yourself off in a place of quiet and silence to where you were truly listening? Not thinking about other things, but focusing your attention on God and listening. The practice of listening requires silence. Exodus 14, verse 14, the Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. Psalm 46, 10, be still and know that I am God. I will be honored among every nation. I will be honored throughout the world. James 1, 19, under this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. In Matthew 13, what did Jesus say when he started this, this section on the parable of the soils out? Listen! Exclamation point. With emphasis, listen, he says. A farmer went out to plant some seeds. Had you noticed the word listen contains the same letters as silent? If you rearrange the letters, you don't have any extra left over. Listen can also spell silent. And the truth is, it's very difficult to listen if you're not silent. Silence of the mouth, the heart, the mind, and personal activity is the first step to truly being able to listen. But consider how we listen today. Consider the answers to these following questions. When someone's talking to you, do you have a device, a phone, computer, tablet in front of you? Guilty. All right, I'm, I'm, I'm asking you, but I'm telling you, I'm guilty of that. Would someone, I mean, and, and what's it? Can you just put the phone down for a minute and look at me? I can hear what you, I'm just doing something mindless. I'm good. You see how this works? Do you think about what you're going to say to them before they're finished talking? Do you think about 
other pressing things on your mind because you've zoned out completely because the conversation isn't exciting enough or engaging enough for you. I've had, <laughs> you probably do this to me because I can't see all your faces, but when I'm talking and preaching, some of you, you're like, I know you're just praying, but you're like, because it's not really interesting or it's not hitting you at a point where you're willing to engage with it, right? How many of you do that? I've had people sit in my office and I'll be talking to them and their eyes are starting to cross. <laughs> I'm like, really? It's just me and you? Of course, I have to admit there are times when that happens to me. Do you look somebody in the eye when they're talking to you? That's a tough one. I was taught, and this is probably just a value that I hold because I was taught this growing up. My dad always said, look at me in the eye when I'm talking to you. I was taught that that's a manner of respect. It's not a, um, like a machismo kind of thing where you're like, I'm going to look at you. We're going to, because you know, when you're trying to be the alpha dog to your dog <laughs> and you stare them in the eyes, we have a funny story about this. Sarah Lee can tell you later. But I was, you know, when we first got dogs. We read up on them. Okay, how do you become the alpha dog? We had a friend that bit his dog to become the, I'm not joking. You remember him biting the dog's ear? To, like, I'm like, oh, you're such a doofus. But, um, but you stare them in the eye and they, they have to look away first before you look away because you're trying to, define your dominance in the human realm though because we are not animals it can be a sign of respect to engage with somebody by looking them in the eye active listening requires not just your ears but all of you do you really hear what people are saying to you hearing words is 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 one thing but actively listening is quite another let me ask you this question do you, do you truly listen to somebody and everything they say and take it in context? Or have you just listened, but then they've said something that kind of like didn't square with you, and then all you could do is meditate or sit on that one thing, but you're not listening because this one thing really peeved you or just threw you for a loop. And they didn't listen to another word you said. Have you been that way? Well, you're listening to somebody, but they say something that doesn't square with you, and then all you can do is focus on that one thing that you don't like that they said, and you don't hear anything else. This is why you see the riots that are happening today in our streets, because people from opposing sides aren't truly willing to listen to one another, to reason with one another through issues that are difficult. Instead, we do a fine job of avoiding the tough issues, even or especially in the church. Pastors have a hard, and listen, it's hard to get up here and preach some messages at times because I know they aren't going to square well with people or with the public that may be watching or listening. I know that the, the Word of God is not popular in certain facets. And people will pick out one piece and they'll hone in on that and they will drill and drill and drill. And what they've done is they've taken that piece out of the whole context and misinterpreted what's being said. We do this with Scripture all the time. Look at this. Amos chapter 4, verse 4. 
This is one verse taken out of context. Tell me what you think, it's, think it means. Go to Bethel and sin. Go to Gilgal and sin yet more, and then bring your sacrifices every morning, your tithes every three years. Well, all right. Woo! Go sin and then go sin some more, and then bring your sacrifices every day and your tithes every three years. I'm good with that. That's a passage taken out of context. How many people do you know take passages out of context? Ecclesiastes 10, 19. A feast is made for laughter, and wine makes life merry, but money is the answer for everything. Woohoo! Okay, what is Solomon actually getting to here? Well, you have to read it in context to see. Did you know the Bible has sarcasm in it? Right? Did you know it has poetry? It has love stories? It has uh, allegory and metaphors and parables? Proverbs 27, 14, If a man loudly blesses his neighbor early in the morning, it will be taken as a curse. Bless you, neighbor! Of course, your neighbor's not a morning person, so that's probably why they curse you, right? Or at least people like, how can you be so peppy in the morning, right? Genesis 25, 30, and Esau said to Jacob, please let me have a swallow of that red stuff there, for I'm famished. Now, we might know the context of that because you've heard that story, but if you've never heard this story... Red st- give me a swallow of the red stuff. Is that Red Bull? What is that? Last, I'll give you this one last one. Ezekiel 4, 15. All right, the Lord said, you may bake your bread with cow dung instead of human dung. Well, all righty. I wouldn't want to cook over my own crap anyway, but a cow dung, you betcha. That is very blasphemous and uncouth for me to say, but the Bible is very uncouth and tacky in certain places if you actually read it for what it's worth. It sounds really harsh for me to say that, but most people who are really offended by things that are said from here actually come from here. you got to be reading this, but you have to understand the context of it. And the only way you can understand the context, even in the midst of a conversation, is by quieting yourself, even when you disagree with what somebody's saying so that you can hear the whole thing. I've done this to my wife at times where she'll be talking to me, telling me something, and I'll hone in on one part, but I won't hear the rest of it. Or I'll interject in the middle trying to, like, I already know what you're going to say, but I'm completely off base and wrong because I wasn't really being silent and listening. Second thing is listening requires focus. Listening requires focus. Verse 12, second part of verse 12 of Matthew 13. For those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. You can't listen if you're not focused. You just can't. Now, you may be different than me. You can have music and all this other stuff playing in the background, and you can actually be really focused. For me, I have to have complete quiet. When I'm reading, when I'm studying, when when I'm trying to, when we're in the car 
as a whole family, all six of us going from point A to point B, one of my kids has to have the music blaring, their favorite tunes, and then I have two or three other kids fighting because they're encroaching upon each other's space, and then Sarah Lee and I are trying to have a conversation. Do you know what's happening to my mind? I'm hearing that, bring it down, bam, bam, bam. Stop, you're touching me. Oh, man. And Sarah Lee is talking in a normal voice, and I'm trying to engage, but I can't focus. Why? Good question. I'm not a multitasker, I guess. Some of you are. From, but listening and actually comprehending what Jesus is saying requires focus. If you're like me, you find it hard to stay focused for any length of time. I was ADHD before they even had such a thing. You know, I was the kid that sat in the back of the class near the little cabinet, and they had these Elmer glue bottles, but they had this huge gallon jug with a large lid, and you could twist it off and put your whole hand in and make a glove. I only know this by experience. The hard thing was waiting for it to dry because I was so distracted all the time. Most of the distractions were talking. I got in trouble for talking or just looking around like this. I couldn't focus. Jesus knew this about human nature very well. He knew this about us. He knew our difficulty in focusing. So if that's the case, then why would he want to conceal the truth from the hard-hearted? If he knew people already had trouble with this, if he knew that was the case, why didn't he just... I hear people, if God's real, why doesn't he just pull back the skies and say, hey, boo, it's me, I'm here. And put, that's all I need. That's all I need. It's not so much that he desired to conceal anything from anyone as much as it was the people's stubbornness to really see and believe anything that he claimed or did. Biblical scholar Michael Green says it this way, listen. To be a historical contemporary of Jesus did you no good without the eye of faith? Likewise, hearing the parable gave you no insight without that click which enables you to cry, I see! You ever have those moments? <clears throat> you just don't understand. You don't understand. But you're, you're going to stick with it. You're going to try. And then all of a sudden, you get it. The light bulb goes on. There are too many people that aren't willing to remain focused enough to have the light bulb experience before they walk away and stay in the dark. Jesus wants us to press in, but he wants us to press in to truly know, and the way to do that is for us to go over those difficult things that he has to say. The, the way Jesus wants us to focus on him is to seek him with all our heart. The third thing and the last thing this morning is this. Listening requires action. Listening requires action. So it requires silence. It requires focus. But then it requires action. Because if you're silent and you focus enough and you finally get it, what do you do with it? Hide it under a bushel? No! I'm going to let it shine right? No, we have to take action on it. Anyone with ears to hear 
should listen and understand. It's as if Jesus is saying, okay, if you have ears to hear and you understand, what do you do with it? Well, the good soil, what happens when the seed falls on the good soil? 30, 60, 100 times more than what was planted. So it's doing something. It's all right, I'm producing. Oh, so being a believer in Christ is all about production. No. But how do you know who a believer in Christ is? You can be fooled by people, but real fruit of the Spirit Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Those kind of things cannot consistently be produced from someone who is not following Christ. They just can't be. They could be good people doing good things from time to time, but the reality is, if you want to produce the fruits of the Spirit, you have to be walking in the ways of Christ, focused on Him, surrendered to Him, rather than to your own ways of doing things. The idea behind those who have ears to hear should listen and understand is that they should not only listen, but be moved to action by what they're hearing. Jesus didn't just want His audience to be entertained by what He said. He didn't amass these large crowds just to tickle their ears. There were times when he knew that the people were following him for ulterior motives, and he drew a line in the sand, and many of them walked away. He wasn't about amassing crowds for crowds' sake. He was about discipling believers who would produce more disciples. For Jesus to tell his audience to listen and understand meant that he wanted them to do something about what they were hearing. Listen to Bruce Barton. What's he say? Human ears hear many sounds, but there's a deeper kind of listening that results in spiritual understanding. Jesus was speaking of the response of the mind and the heart necessary to gain spiritual understanding. Some people in the crowd were only curious about Jesus a few were looking for evidence to use against him. Others truly wanted to learn and grow. Jesus' words were for honest seekers. Those who honestly seek God will have spiritual hearing. Jesus pointed out that listening makes fertile soil. If you bear fruit, listen to this, this is so good. If we bear fruit, it is proof that we have listened. If others bear fruit, it shows that the seed we have planted has taken root in their heart as well. Are you bearing fruit? Or is this church thing just a Sunday morning deal? Brandon, I don't really know how. Are you in the Word? Are you setting yourself off in a silent place to be with the Lord and truly listening? You've heard me say, prayer with God isn't just you talking, it's you listening. But too often we go to, go to prayer with God and we say what we need to say and then we shut off the line of communication and walk away. How many of you have friends like that you get on a phone call with? They're talkers. You can't get a word in. And then when they're done talking, they say, well, it's good talking to you. We'll talk to you later. Bye. Click. Great conversation. You get off, you're like, uh, great conversation. Good to talk to you too, I guess. We do that to God all the time. We think, I don't have the time to sit and be silent. I'm too busy. You're too busy not to be silent. Your soul needs 
silence before the Lord. Because you cannot hear the word of the Lord if you're not silent. You cannot hear the word of the Lord unless you're in the word. You cannot understand the word unless you push in and push through and have others who are challenging you in those things. And it's okay if you don't know everything because not everybody knows everything except God the Father. The Son doesn't even know the day or the hour of his return until the Lord, the Father, Father God says, it's time. So what he tells us in the Gospels. So if he knows, if God knows everything, if God the Father knows everything, then do you trust him enough to press in even in areas you don't understand? Jesus' parables are meant to illuminate the way to the kingdom of God and the way the kingdom of God works. And in addition, are examples of how citizens of that kingdom are to live. The kingdom of God seems like this mysterious place and it's a reality more than a place. It is where God is. It is where God's will is done perfectly. And as citizens of that kingdom, believers in Christ, we are living as ambassadors in this fallen and broken world, reflecting what the kingdom of God looks like, how the kingdom of God works, loving our enemies, doing good to those who persecute us, praying for them, forgiving others of their sins against us. Encouraging one another to good deeds and good works. Walking alongside the brokenhearted, mourning with those who mourn, weeping with those who weep, rejoicing with those who rejoice. Never coveting or desiring what another person has, but being content with what we have and praising God for it, regardless of how big or small. Being a citizen of the kingdom of God, which all of Jesus' parables, almost every one of them are about, is reflecting what that kingdom looks like, and, and it's attractive. It's something that people should want. This is the early believers in Christ, the early church. They had this contagiousness about them. As they lived out their faith, as they were citizens of that kingdom, this otherworldly kingdom, people saw something in them that was different than the Roman government that was different than the barbaric nations or pagan nations around. They saw these believers in Christ, and I'm reading this book right now, and you heard me say this a few weeks ago, how Christianity changed the world. The early church, and even throughout the centuries, saw believers in Christ going to the city dump and picking up babies that had been born and thrown out there to die of exposure that weren't even their own. And the people started taking note of this. And they saw the Christians going into the plague-ridden, diseased areas where the rest of the population dare not tread. Putting their life in jeopardy of getting the disease themselves. No other peoples on the face of the earth were doing these things because they were taking action with what they knew and believed they were producing fruit but it didn't look like the world's fruit rotten corrupted and horrible they weren't eating drinking and be merry because tomorrow they died they were living 
a life of love to the most unlovable because they were first loved by God themselves. Church, this is, this is my life's desire. And I know it's God's life desire to see his people casting aside all dispersions, distractions, things that dissuade our focus from him, that crowd out the silence in our lives, and that inhibit us from truly acting on what we say we believe. My goal and my purpose is to see the, God, the church of God thriving, even when the rest of the world is pointing a finger of anger and rejection. We should never be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It puts us in some awkward positions to go into places with the gospel of Christ because it is so countercultural. But go, we must. We have to take action. And it's not a picketing type action, it's a serving type action. It's washing the feet of the ones who are willing to betray us into the hands of our enemy. It's about being crucified for Christ's sake by denying ourselves daily, taking up our cross and following him. As our worship team comes forward, I want to close with this. In the early 2000s, there was this new technology that was beginning to come out, and I'm sure in the 20 years it's been out, it's like probably beyond anything we can imagine. But it was, it was how to break onto, uh, or how, to, how hypersonic sound waves can actually be focused. In a short snippet from Reader's Digest, an inventory uh, uh, by the name of an inventor by the name of Elwood Norris was able to engineer sound waves to travel like a laser beam for a very long distance. Listen to this. According to the article, this allows sounds to be heard by a person in a particular place, but not by those immediately around them. You could be listening to music or specific instructions while those standing next to you would be left in total silence. If you move out of the tightly formed path of these sound waves, you would be unaware of anything that's being said or coming through. God's communication with us, hear this, God's communication with us is very similar to these sound waves. In order to hear the words and the voice of God, you have to be standing where he's speaking. Do you catch me? Many of us aren't willing to stand where he's speaking because we're too distracted to stand where we want to, when we want to, and how we want to. Because we're prideful, stubborn people. But when we are surrendered to God through Christ Jesus, our desires are what his desires are. So we will move in tandem with wherever he is. We will do whatever he calls. But we can't do what he calls if we're not listening, if we're not focused, if we're not silent, and if we're not standing where he's speaking. Followers of Christ are active listeners. Are you an active listener today? Are you where God has called you to be? Or are you just wandering around in this wilderness of your own making, not able to hear anything but the groans of the people around you? 
who were also lost and scared, but too stubborn to go where they've been called. You can't be patient without listening, and you can't listen without being silent, being focused, and being willing to act on what you hear. Church, it behooves us to be active, alive, and focused on God and listening to him. The world around us so desperately needs that. The church, as one evangelist has said in the past, is truly the only hope for the world today. That is the means by which God has entrusted the gospel to go into all the world, to make disciples, to baptize, and to teach. Will you be a part of that journey? Will you, if you've had one foot in and one foot out, will you put both feet in? (laughs) If you've just been kind of toying around with the idea of being truly a part of the church, it's not about a membership on a roll book somewhere in the office or on a database somewhere. It's about active, alive faith in Christ Jesus, your Lord and Savior. Our altars are open. You can pray to my right or my left. Somebody will pray with you if you come to my right. But don't leave here without truly making that commitment. If it's a first-time commitment or if it's a renewal commitment or if it's a I'm all-in commitment. Father, we love you. We know that we aren't always where we should be, doing what we should be doing. And though what we may be doing is innocuous and isn't bad, we know that we're not exactly where we should be, centered in your will. And the only way to know your will for us is to be focused, to be silent, and to be active whenever you speak. Father, Help us to be the good soil. Help us to be good soil knowing that maybe occasionally there's a rock still in there that needs to be taken out. Continue to cultivate us for the rest of our lives, I pray. Water us with your Holy Spirit, Father, I pray. Rejuvenate us. Manifest yourself through us in ways that heal the sick, raise the dead. Oh, Father, be merciful to us where we don't do what you've called us to do, but coax us, prod us with your rod and your staff because they truly do comfort. Forgive us where we fall short and give us the strength to press on, never to bow out, but always to step up and to press in to your truth, your way, and your will. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us this week. Check back next week as we dig deeper and go further in our understanding of God's Word. Make sure to visit us on our website, www.northmaincog.org, where you can learn more about us. If you found value in today's message, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would be helpful too. Donating to the ongoing ministry of North Main is easy. Just go to our website and click on the Give tab at the top of the screen. Thanks for listening. We look forward to you joining us again next week.